0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your nitty line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play.
1: With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates, stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to BetOnline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code believe that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise now. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA is available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com beers state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Post Game Show. We are live following Penn State's victory over UMass by a score of 68 three to nothing uh there's no surprise really in the final outcome of this game but there's a lot of positives to take away for this penn state football team uh he's justin king i'm tom hannafin thank you all so much for joining us here on our youtube channel allowing everybody to kind of file in we want to hear all your thoughts and comments, uh, any questions that you guys have, feel free to drop them in the comments section in the chat as well and as well the super chat function is enabled, so anything that you would like to donate to the channel helps us do more things like this. Your questions absolutely will be answered. Uh, Justin, overall, watching this game, despite the rain and the nastiness, uh, how'd you feel about it?
0: Dominant performance. This is exactly what I think we were looking for against UMass, making explosive plays on different areas of the of the game, right? Like the two punt, I mean, the two punt returns from Daquan Hardy. Um, Even with the turnover from uh, Drew Aller, we saw some more explosive plays. Just, I mean, a 63-0 victory. And again, getting the tight ends involved in the offensive game plan, I think, showed more of the roundness or talk about that balanced attack of what our passing game can look like. Another efficient performance from Drew Aller. And, man, I, I think this is a great tune-up game, quote-unquote, before Ohio State. Yeah,
1: all due respect uh, to UMass, there are some things about this game that I think you and I were interested in seeing, whether or not UMass's skill position players on offense could be at least a good warm-up or a test for Penn State, and they passed that test with flying colors, as the broadcast team was talking about, uh, at length, obviously, with Ohio State looming next week. Uh, Josh, in the comments section, agrees with you, dominant, what a win. Uh, Sounds like something from a a dad sitting on his couch. You know, I mean, everybody enjoying this game. I want to come back to something that was on social media that, you know, Penn State got out to, you know, a quote, a slow start in the first quarter. And that's been, uh, you know, a bit of a theme, unfortunately, for most of the season for Penn State. But when you actually go back and look at it, I'm like, the, the first two drives were slow and that was it. And honestly, how normal is that in college football, Justin?
0: It's extremely normal. If you watch across, I mean the different games that come on throughout the day. I, no one really just starts off scoring big touchdowns at the very beginning of the game. It, it typically is a little like figuring out or like little chess message at the beginning to find a rhythm of the of the game, and then like the dominance of the team and the talent starts to shine through. But I mean for a quarter it's it's like any physical combat where you're like filling out your opponent and seeing what's going on. But I think they did a great job coming out today. And especially in the rain, you just talk about two quarterbacks for UMass, uh, Tayson, 25 yards, the backup, 20 yards, 45 yards total passing. I mean, the type of dominant performance that you want to see against this type of team is um, exactly what we saw. So, I mean, I didn't. I didn't think of it as a a slow start. I mean, going into the going into halftime at twenty eight nothing.
1: Yeah, that's not slow.
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, it's like a well rounded, you know, (laughs) football game.
1: (laughs) I agree. Um, We want to start doing this regularly after these post game shows, Justin. But you and I were texting this uh, state of states offensive and defensive players of the game uh, for Penn State versus UMass. Uh, For me personally. It was Drew Aller, and granted, there were a lot of people on this offense that got involved and had really nice games, but I just think the way that Drew was in command from the very beginning to the point that he was taken out of the game, the passing game was under control. Uh, you could see there were some possibilities of potentially going downfield, those just throw it deep situations that uh, Drew Aller thought about or even had the chance to pull a trigger on a couple. One was dropped by Tyler Warren, but you got the touchdown with Theo Johnson. I just thought the way that Drew Hour commanded things, especially in the rain and still does not have a turnover. I believe the stat read on the air is that he is the longest streak of attempts without an, an, an interception in eight years in FBS. It's just crazy. But do you agree Drew Hour is the offensive player of the game?
0: Uh, yes, I would, I would agree. I would like to say maybe comeback player because I think Katron set the tone coming back this week with the six carries or nine carries for 68 yards. And I think that run where he kind of drug everybody, like 18 yard run like this, this is his running style, kind of set up the rest of those efficient, uh, possession type passes that Drew Allen was throwing, especially when you get the tight ends playing. So definitely would say Drew Allen, but a close second would be Tron Allen for me.
1: I agree with that. I agree with that. Nick Singleton, I thought, also was solid. The running backs were good. It was just good to see Katron healthy and back in the lineup. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the guys that have been banged up the last few weeks. Uh, Josh Hoppen back in the comments section. Uh, I haven't seen a game in a long time where the defensive line lived in the opponent's backfield like that. Incredible effort. I, I completely agree. The way the defensive line performed, and granted, they were blitzing heavily in the first half and beyond. And then after a while, it just wasn't even really – necessary justin it just seemed like uh the defensive ends especially the tackles of umass were just overwhelmed this seemed like uh just being overmatched period just a superior talent
0: all around the board right like you can say like the defensive last standing in the backfield i mean we talk about how football teams are built from the inside out offensive defensive line i think this is a big jump from what we saw against uh, Delaware at, at times where it seemed like it was a little too even matched up front, and today we saw the dominance up front. Whether it's from the Dennis Sutton or you see Adisa Isaac living in the backfield, Trump Robinson, even Devon Ellis had a great game, um, having pressure up front. And I think that it it doesn't it doesn't stop the different teams from appro- approaching Penn State, but I think it shores up the different areas of the defense that we had different had concerns about like can they have explosive plays on offense i think we saw that there's an ability there even when you start working in the tight ends having two healthy running backs back and knowing that drew also has the ability to make those big time throws down the field and we have that that those weapons on the outside but then also from the defensive standpoint having just an opportunistic defense now you have Day Day as a punt return option where it's like a real threat like so when that returned two punts in a game and like with a lot of speed i think that's like just seeing these different weapons and just their full uh totality of the team is very impressive because we're talking about now three phases of football that looked above the line uh above the line type of ball that's being played and you get a sixty three zero outcome feel good going into next week and just ready feel, to go against the talent
1: feel fantastic uh you yeah. kind of took the words right out of my mouth talking about day-day uh considering who our defensive player of the game is, my pick. Granted, he got involved on special teams and helped you know add 14 points to this total because of two uh, punt returns for touchdowns. I believe the first time that's happened in the Big Ten since 2013. That is a first in school history for Penn State. and It's the first punt return for a touchdown uh, by a Penn State player since 2020, Jahan Dotson. So
0: wow.
1: we have talked about this for years, is that this special teams program – just hasn't really done much. You know, Jahan, yes, but Jahan, I think it's it's been proven he's a special talent. Not to say that there weren't special guys back there returning the ball, but when Stacy Collins was hired from Boise State, the mission was to get something out of the special teams unit. This was the first real explosion that what we got to see. But coming back to my point, I think defensive player of the game, I personally want to give it to Daquan Hardy, and I think he could have picked like six guys to give this to. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way.
0: I'm uh, in 100% agreement with the Daquan Hardy on defense. I mean, coming in, just understanding that nickel position, having sticky coverage throughout the whole game, and having two big punt returns. I mean, as a defensive back, you don't always get to get your hands on the ball. And then when he did, you get to make big plays and put points on the board. So, I mean, on top of that, and even just like fundamental football, I mean, he had nice, nice plays where he's taking on blockers and forcing uh, the runners to slow down and seeing the different um, pursuit close on the ball, and then we talk about the speed of Penn State's defense. I mean, he's, he's he embodies that. So I would definitely uh, crown him as the defensive player of the game for state of state.
1: I agree with you. Uh, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac also, I think, are guys anybody could easily go out there and say, hey, they're the defensive player of the game for Penn State. Um, a question here in the comments section from uh, appropriately named Chris from Penn State. Uh, I noticed the offense started taking some shots slash risks. I think we might see them capitalize on their efforts in Columbus, obviously Penn State at Ohio State next weekend. What do you think, Justin?
0: Um, when it comes down to uh taking taking advantage of say that one more time?
1: Uh taking uh I think Chris's question more so notice the offense taking some more shots downfield, perhaps so could we see them capitalize on that that type of approach against Ohio State next weekend.
0: I think it's going to be more of keeping Drew within his frame of playing right because not to say that you you don't take chunk plays or you have that uh, philosophy of going after there and and take trying to take the top off but you know you're playing against Ohio State who will also have athletes so I think unless they find different matchups from that standpoint I think we'll see, see more of like a type of game plan that we saw today to be completely honest with you and we really want to see on the other side limiting those big plays because just as we've seen throughout the whole season it's been of a home run to check down or home run to mid-tier type of attack. And even when we have attacked in more of a chunk type of place, it's been designed plays in that intermediate 15 to 25-yard type of frame and letting the receivers kind of run around and do their thing. Um, So, I mean, so to say that against Ohio State, I think you, you press it a little bit in terms of, hey, we have to throw the ball down the field a little bit or just having the identity of stretching the field. But at the same time, I think the way that you're playing or the the formula that you use to get a 63-0 victory is something that you want to recreate next week.
1: The one thing that jumped out to me, Justin, is that this is now six games we've gotten to see from Penn State, and yes, the competition level is going to significantly jump next week against Ohio State. You, You haven't seen anybody yet fill the box with eight, nine defenders. And you talked about that in the offseason coming in. You're like, hey, against Penn State, I would load up the box and I would make them beat you at the pass. And it's been this – I don't know why that's not happened yet. I I agree with your assessment, but most of the defensive alignment has been backing off and preventing the big play, perhaps out of respect for Drew Aller's arm. Uh, Do you expect to see that change next weekend against Ohio State?
0: Well, I think it's one. Uh, I think it changes. I think Ohio State's going to challenge Penn State, right? Whether it's sending more blitzes, manning up on the outside more. And I think the shots or the ability to take shots will be there. Now, it's another different thing. You're talking about a different t- defensive line. You're talking about a different pass rush. You're talking about a different blitz package. You're talking about different, different defensive backs as well. So, just the ability to play man coverage that opens up the big play. So, I mean, when it comes down to those type of opportunities, I think when you see one-on-one situations with Drew, I think he has the ability to make those big throws. So that's something that we should keep an eye on. And I would love to see, you know, the one-on-one with Keandre. Hey, we're throwing it. And that's, I think we'll we'll get a chance to see a little bit next week because I don't believe Ohio State's going to be okay with, you know, five, six, seven-man box if we're continuing to run the ball successfully. So. I think it still starts with uh, establishing the run and having control of the offense and being able to pick our different quadrants of the field to attack.
1: Ohio State, maybe not, I agree with you, but Michigan, feel like they might give that a shot. Maryland, feel like they might give that a shot as well. Um, I do want to get to Josh's comment here about uh, Cam Miller. Cam Miller had an impressive day, uh, someone different in the Penn State secondary. Uh, Every week it seems like he shined against Illinois. He got a pick. Uh, Yeah, Cam Miller did look good. He got involved on special teams as well. Uh, He's somebody that we just don't get to talk about too much, Justin, simply because there are so many people in this secondary that contribute on a regular basis and just frankly are seeing more playing time right now. When you look at Cam Miller's game, what do you like? What can he be?
0: Uh, Lock down you, man, but he's opportunistic defensive back. and He has speed, he has a good length, and he fits right in with the mold of defensive backs there, right? And he had a sack today. It's another thing that Penn State defensive uh, backs are used very well in different situations. You have Daquan Hardy returning punts. You have a lockdown corner in Kalen. You see uh, Johnny Dixon playing different positions, making plays different areas. You have uh, Cam Miller rotating into the game. And making plays in different areas. And then you have like a King Mac and younger guys and Keen and Ellis pick six. And you just have a, a totality of guys and position flexibility to be able to make plays on the back end and for Manny to draw up exotic blitzes and to be able to be benefactors of a dominating defensive line. Right. So I think with that and you see from Cam is just another stable member of like lockdown you to be completely honest and just showing his worth and the productivity that he's and taking care of the opportunities that he gets when he gets on the field mm-hmm.
1: and honestly his time will come it, it, it will come oh, uh cool. this isn't even really a question patrick he just likes my haircut so thank you patrick i appreciate that <laughs> i hope you're in a home or a location that has our beer state ipa because if it doesn't Is that really a home? You know, do they really care about the show that much, right? (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Let's jump to uh, Mark Stevenson. Uh, For Justin, what's it like as a defender to up that big game, uh, big late, to be up that late? uh, Oh, my gosh, I can't talk. To be up that late, uh, big in the game, uh, are you looking to tee off on people or stay assignment disciplined?
0: interesting i've never been in the game super late when the score is out of hand because i'm typically a part of the original crew see, see justin but, when
1: he got to campus he's like listen <laughs> i'm starting i'm not playing if it's a blowout i don't need my own i need my own
0: dorm you know you know a little bit of that but i would imagine that you want to stay disciplined to an extent and but you have to look for your op you're looking for opportunities to make a play because i mean once you're up there's no fear, but it's a little interesting when you're playing with a shutout because if you, I, I would imagine coming in as a backup with a shutout, you don't want to give up anything. So there might be a little bit of hesitancy to play less discipline because you don't want to take the zero off the scoreboard for the guys that really worked and got it there. Not to say that they're not working, but I think the shutout is a different thing that forces players to play a little more discipline.
1: Well, you saw how Manny was there, especially in the third and fourth quarter. Like, hey. <laughs> he was pretty ticked off. Who was the defensive back who got the penalty when Keaton Ellis uh, nearly had a pick six? It was um It was, it was, a, it, was, a, it, was a, it
0: was a bad it was a bad penalty.
1: It no, it wasn't a good penalty, obviously. Uh I'm trying to find the jersey number. We got a lot a, a so lot was, of people got into the game. It was 29. It was uh oh, it was uh Davion Collins. Uh okay. the transfer from Mississippi State. So he's still young, but that was a uh, that was not a great moment. Obviously, he's not gotten to play all that much. But
0: <laughs> no, those are tough. I mean, especially when you take off a, a touchdown for one of the guys in the back in the room's um, stat book. I mean, you don't get a chance to party in the end zone too much. So, I mean, you take that off the board, you're going to have to get fined a little bit. Internal fine, not a real fine.
1: Yeah, some push ups, <laughs> you know, some suicide runs. Yeah. yeah, suicide. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's a question from Joseph um, Will we be able to keep Manny
0: Diaz long term? Time will tell. The coaching carousel is coming up, but I mean, he has previous head coach experience. He's had success turning Miami around, even though it didn't end the way you wanted to uh, end the way you wanted it to end. Shutouts and the type of defense that he's putting up there, man, I think it'll be a prime target for a head coaching position, but I don't know. I, it, it's hard to say. Do we keep him long-term? What's long-term in college football anymore? This is, the new age of college football which is semi-pro so what's I mean, long term well, joseph can you give me that what's long term that's a good
1: question that. brent pride what nine years that's long term that's a really long time Maybe,
0: that's extreme I and mean, he i remember he turned down some jobs earlier so he could have been like five or six out of there but yeah what's long term
1: for me three, I, more,
0: three more years no
1: <laughs> for me i i think he, he's too he's going to be too hot of a name on the market for him to stay you know there's going to be a lot of opportunities thrown at him I think he has all the potential in the world as a head coach uh, but at the same time it does seem like he enjoys being in state college uh, he enjoys being a part of this program he and James Franklin have a very good relationship and you can speak to this the difficulty of changing coaches is one thing for players but another thing uh, Joseph jumped in here he says three. So, okay, so you're looking at like five years of Manny Diaz. Listen, I would kill for five years of Manny Diaz, but the fact that we went from Brent Pry to Manny Diaz, and the defense, dare I say, got better. Nobody else, everybody else in the country is going to recognize that and try and grab this guy.
0: For sure. When you mentioned the comfort, I think is it's real cool to see the context of being a head coach or whatever comes with being a head coach and then seeing someone that's able to just kind of fall into their natural comfort zone of coaching defense i mean i think it's that's what we're i I think witnessing from a manny diaz coming from a a tumultuous type of situation in miami as a head coach all the different stresses that come with that i mean as a head coach and then now it's just like hey we're just drawing a ball and trying to blitzes and defenses you see that clarity and we're just like we're just focused on let's get shutouts and i think that's a cool thing when you see head coaches then operate at coordinator positions because i mean some of them fall back in love with the game in a different way because you're more of a coach again. You're actually connected with the players. You get to talk to the players in a different way than you do when you're the head coach. Like when you're an assistant coach, not to say everybody's against the head coach, but like, you know, like, all right, the head coach has different things to worry about. Good cop, bad cop. Good cop, bad cop, exactly. So when you're the 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 DC. it's like, I'm the good cop again. And it's like putting up zeros and things of that nature so I can see him getting comfortable in that role. So I, I think there would have to be a strong offer for him to get up out of Penn State, especially with the young talent that Penn State still has on the roster.
1: Completely agree. Uh, Emma getting involved here in the comment section. Wonderful name. Uh, we obviously dominated on both sides of the ball today, but we still have occasional lapses against the run game, especially in third and long situations. Any concerns against Ohio State's rushing?
0: Not necessarily. I don't. Um, I think you have the same concerns that you have about any type of Russian attack, and that's just playing sound defense. I did, I, and I did see the the leaky runs in the thirds, the second and third quarter. Was like, hey, what's that twelve yard run here? That could be a touchdown against a good team. But you just got to understand that happens in football from time to time. And I think these guys feel good and confident going into next week and be able to stop the run early. And I mean, play this game on the perimeter. I think this it leans in our favor. So I think we're good.
1: I feel good about that as well, uh, to the to the question there, obviously, about what is Ohio State able to do running the football. The offensive line for Ohio State, I, I don't want to say that it's a bad offensive line. I just don't think they're necessarily built to run the football. Now, that being said, they have three outstanding running backs in Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson. Uh, and train him, who I got to see a little bit of his performance uh, against Maryland. So I think they have the horses to do it. I just don't know if they have the blockers to necessarily pull it off. Now, we've talked about this since the offseason. How is the interior of Penn State's defensive line going to hold up against a really spectacular rushing attack? Uh, I don't know if you've really seen that. You know, they got tested against, I'd say, West Virginia, a little bit against Illinois, and a little bit against Iowa. This will be different, but I don't think this is the best rushing attack Penn State will see all season. I think it will absolutely be Michigan, but at least what Ohio State's going to be able to do running the ball. The guy's getting the ball, one thing, but if you can, you talked about it with Nick Singleton. He's a guy, if you give him four to five yards to kind of ramp up, you're dead in the water. It's kind of my thought process for Ohio State's tailbacks, watching them on tape.
0: Well, I mean, with that being this, the case, I just think the pressure or the penetration from the defensive line just the past two to three weeks of playing football has been increasingly better since the beginning of the season, and we just know that the talent that they have up front on defense is uh, is above the line. So, like when we see that, I mean, I mean, it's still football, but I, I don't feel any angst about the running attack against Ohio State.
1: Uh, Josh hopping in the comments section here. Another Josh, Uh, Ohio State will throw the ball like they did against Georgia, uh, obviously referencing last year. Granted, no C.J. Stroud. Um, I think it's been proven at this point Kyle McCord is a different quarterback than C.J. Stroud. So um, we we really don't necessarily know the best of Kyle McCord yet. So I think that's an outlier going into the game next week. And then uh, Josh also getting involved here saying UMass was an overmatched team today. Completely agree with that point uh mark Stevenson, thank you love the funk brewery state ipa that's very nice of you to say uh hopefully you're not sitting there drinking a blue stripe <laughs> or whatever that is like the state ipa is where it's at you know if you're a good person uh another joshua getting involved here uh, the wide receivers didn't seem to be getting separation today do you guys think that's just because of the wet field or a more concerning trend against better competition
0: uh, uh. Wet field for receivers, I got to give them some credit there. That, that, that's a tough game. I mean, when we see short area quickness with more positional players like tight ends, we see seen them had some successful days. But I wouldn't put too much stock into what the receivers did. I mean, wet field is just – that's just tough.
1: It's tough. I mean, Tyler Warren had that one – uh i guess you would call it it looked like a wheel route out of a bunch formation so he was trying to curl down the sideline a little bit and just kind of, a, little,
0: a little wet hands yeah a well, wet yeah hands.
1: That, like some of these things you're not <laughs> obviously the coach is going to be like you got to catch the football but the, the circumstances are what they are i want to stay with this point about the wide receivers so uh, the overall stat line uh keandre lambert smith uh six catches uh, for 30 yards he was targeted nine times he did have one drop Theo Johnson, uh, four catches for sixty-six yards, two touchdowns, targeted five times, one drop. Uh, Harrison Wallace, great to see him back in the uh, into the fold. Three catches for forty-four yards on four targets. Uh, Tyler Warren, two catches for fourteen yards and a touchdown, uh, and one drop as well. And then Catron uh, Allen, one reception for eight yards. I understand Keandre Lambert Smith led the team in total receptions. However. For me, watching this, Harrison Wallace looked like the better wide receiver today. Is Harrison Wallace the best wide receiver Penn State has?
0: Wow. That's a, I don't think I watched it from that frame, from that frame of view. Um, Just from that, you know, with that question in my mind. But uh, what Keandre has done, I mean, just from a big play ability, knowing that he can do that. That always gives me this him still the slight number one because he's kind of proving himself. But with that being said, Trey had it had a nice game in terms of just productivity and like route running. And when he he seems to constantly create separation, he had a fumble earlier today where I messed up our our turnover margin there. But. Let me get back to you after Ohio's after the next couple of games, and I'll answer that if he's that's the best right. one. That I can't just go straight off of that. I don't think. No, I, I, get, I get that. that. But like I, that's a that's a valid that's a valid question though.
1: It's um it, obviously it's in the eye of the beholder to a degree. I just saw the, Trey getting separation today, and that's something this receiving core is really struggling with. And unless sure. it's a tight end in a superior matchup, potentially on a linebacker uh, that can't run with them, or a corner that's undersized. Those are the situations you've seen Penn State win those matchups, get separation. But Keandre Cephas, uh, you know, we didn't see much of Malik McClain today. We didn't really see much of Dante Cephas. He got out there a little bit. Yeah, like you and I discussed it on this past week's episode previewing this game. It's like the entire room needs to step up. And to me, there were flashes from Trey there early where I was like, you know, maybe we've been thinking – there's a Batman and Robin type of dynamic between Keandre and Harrison somehow that Harrison Wallace is Robin and all this. And uh, and this was the first game where i watched the way he was getting separation. I'm like, it's possible. I've had this wrong.
0: That's, I mean, it's fair. Cause like, I thought I had multiple thoughts today. I was like, he looked good right there. Oh, I said, oh he's, he's showing himself. Like he's, he's, he's showing up in the game where it's like he's an impact player and like, And I didn't even think about that because I think in my head, I just had, hey, number one's the number one guy, and these are the different type of routes. And when you treat the number one person, sometimes the defensive game plan is to eliminate them. And the number two guy has more one-on-one opportunities where he's able to create separation and the the payoff is a little greater. So now that I'm looking at him as the frame as the number one receiver, I'm going to tie it in a little bit tighter.
1: Yeah, just something... Something to No, think. that's
0: a great question. I think that's something that, I think that's pretty cool to even bring up in the middle of the season to be completely honest with you because I haven't even heard anything posed of that like in that vein, right? Of anybody even challenging Keandre as the number one guy. But I think that's a valid point after 5 weeks of play, 6 weeks of play.
1: You like to say it. Iron sharpens iron. Competition is king. Uh, Chris, another question here in the chat. Um, I know it's UMass, but what stood out to you in today's game that you hope to see more of next week against Ohio state? I'd like to see the defense keep rolling. <laughs> We're going to need gonna, it.
0: Specifically the defensive pressure. Like that's what I would, con- I would love to continue to see from the, the running, the running defense where it's just like constant penetration up front. And then on, the passing plays, no clean pockets throughout the whole game. Just putting fear, even if they're not hitting the quarterbacks, if the quarterbacks feeling temperature and pressure from Adisa DDS, and then got chopped. Just continue to cause havoc. I like to see the the linebackers get more involved in the blitzes. I think when we see a really cool defensive approach, and let's not take it for granted with Manny the way he's calling the defense. Is seeing corners blitzing. Seeing guys coming from all over, all over the place, different, uh, you know, Rambo type fronts where it's like eight guys standing up, and it's just very unique. And when we can get pressure and productivity from the front four without all the different exotic things going on, I think that's something that really can catapult us forward and separate us against these next teams coming up, like Ohio State, uh, Michigan, and so forth.
1: Six sacks, 14 tackles for loss, and a pick today. It just continues on the trend. Again, it's UMass. We, we've said that with we blue in the face, we understand it's a different level of competition next week, but still the, the production has been outstanding. Uh, a comment here from Josh Bazan. Uh, Wide receivers need to have a better game next weekend against the Buckeyes. Ohio State's D is remarkably better than last year. Um, I will agree that their pass rush is certainly – Improved, which is scary considering the way JT Tuimolau really destroyed Penn State last year almost single-handedly. Their front seven is excellent. Uh, I I don't know if I'm completely in love with their defensive backfield the same way I am with Penn State's, and I'm biased, but I think Penn State's, I would give them the edge in that respect. Uh, But I don't know if anybody's looking at Ohio State as some defensive juggernaut necessarily. I I don't want to make that mistake, and that's not what I'm gleaning from your comment there, Josh. But uh, I I think there's going to be elements within the tackle box that Penn State's going to have some challenges next week against Ohio State, and that's, that's why you play the games. Um, Ben getting involved here in the chat. Thank you very much. Has our offense shown enough to be competitive against Ohio State? Where do you think we still need to improve?
0: Where do we still need to improve? I would say consistent big plays on the outside. When we talk about the receivers, I think just seeing more of what we saw from Trey Wallace today, more from Keandre Lambert and just like an uptick from those guys. I think we saw that increase of uh, productivity from the tight ends. That's continuing to be um, increasingly valuable. And just like I hate to say it, but like the elite game management from Drew Aller, and I and I and with that, couple with the running backs' uh, running style and the way that they've been picking up yards. I mean, even from today, Ktrons seven yards a carry. Nick five, like that makes it tough and opens up the playbook and those long play sheets that you call that you see offensive coordinators using on the sidelines, that gives them the ability to use all of it when they're you know gaining five, six yards of carry. So just making sure to take care of that. I mean, that's what we like to see moving forward.
1: Considering the yards per carry was what around 3.8 coming into this game. Again, it's UMass.
0: UMass. Still. You, gotta, you gotta execute. You gotta execute to get some confidence to be able to execute later. <laughs>
1: Joshua, again in the comments section, we tend to start a little slow on offense. Anything James and the coaching staff can do to address these first quarter offensive woes? And we talked about this a little bit earlier. And really, the first quarter offensive woes account to the first two drives were you know stalled, and then after that, it was just a boulder going downhill for this offense for Penn State. Uh, but you know, we talked about it. Yeah, it's obviously been something they've been concerned about through the season and trying to get off to a faster start. What do you think? How can they possibly fix that.
0: I mean again, this is this was Drew's sixth game starting. I, I think they're getting faster. Let's put it that way. Like if they were getting if they were getting slower, I would I would I would understand I guess the only thing I would say is like, oh, if they're somewhere in the first scripted five plays, that there is just a dedication to chuck plays, right? Like where it's like, hey, we're just going to let it rip, not just throw it deep, but like design plays for you know 16 to 25 yards. We're having the philosophy of, you know, listen, I, I can't think of uh, Bruce Arians, chuck it or can't risk it with no biscuit. Oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) no no biscuit without without risking it or something. But like that type of philosophy moving forward, I mean, but beyond that, we keep raving about the interceptions. I mean, that might be a little bit of mental trickery when we talk about just keeping things in tight and not messing that up either.
1: Here's here's my follow-up question to you. Is Mike Yursich scripting the first couple of drives to probe or to attack?
0: When it's, when you think about – it's almost like a boxing match, but I think it's more of a probe. Like, okay, where are we going to attack the rest of this game? Because they have the ability to attack in a lot of different places, right? So you would think of the running attack as the jab, jab, jab. Then it's like, oh, here's a little hook with the tight end, slip screen, okay, oh – but just not too many haymakers because people understand that we're just keeping the jab out there. So people are a little protected. So like, I like to look at the offensive defense, like a boxing match to an extent of how they're approaching it from the offensive defense standpoint. But I think my usage goes at it from that type of standpoint, like, okay, where are they giving us where are the matchups that we're winning, who's on today? Cause like we talk about the different weapons across the board and let's attack the hot hand. And as we continue to do that, I mean, I think it's hard for defenses to game plan against you, especially like before the game starts. Right. Like it's like just how the. The flow of the game goes, but yes, I would say he's definitely probing out the defense the first couple of series,
1: which I don't have a problem with. I'm very OK with that. He's figuring out what they're going to give him, and then it's just take, take, take the rest of the game.
0: And that's why I don't think they come out moving slow. Like that was like the main point where it's just like there's there's some reason to the madness of the start of the game. It's not just turnovers or like just putter put and just doing nothing. It's actually moving and, okay, let's try this. That doesn't work. Now let's attack them this way.
1: And, and the truth of the matter is is that if you give up a touchdown or scores on the first two drives as a defense, you made some real mistakes in the way that you evaluated the game made some real mistakes in the way that you evaluated the opponent that you didn't respect them properly. Just about every defense that Penn State has faced, we've talked about, it's been essentially the same type of defensive alignment that they've come up against, guys playing back, trying to prevent the explosive play. So it's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. We're just going to take this underneath. And they racked up 63 points on Massachusetts, so it just took a <laughs> matter of time. But you have to understand that in the for you to score on the first couple of drives the other team has to make mistakes. So it's a it's a credit to the competition that Penn State has played thus far. And, yes, are, it, have they played world beaters and to this point? Absolutely not. But giving a little bit of respect to those guys, it was like, yeah, if you come out on the first play and you chuck it deep, somebody really screwed up on the other side of the ball. And that's just not been the case. You talked about Don Brown, the head coach for UMass, been around the block. Not a bad head football coach, not a bad football coach, period. So he clearly had his guys uh, prepared for this game as much as he could. The score doesn't indicate it, but at least came out there swinging in the first uh, quarter. A question here from Joseph. Why do they run Prabula so much? If he is the backup, why not provide him with some passing reps to date? He is 6 of 13 in five games. He had the touchdown pass to Trey Potts there at the end of the Northwestern game. Situational football? That would be kind of my guess, Justin.
0: I was second that, I mean, there's a level of situational football when you're up by 50 points and you want to keep your backups in a position where they're most comfortable. I mean, one of his skill sets is being able to be a mobile quarterback, being able to run, having some speed and different things of that nature. So you just want to keep him in the vein of where he's comfortable. And at the same time, when you're up by 50 points, you do not want to just be spreading the ball around and just like tossing it like you're like Hawaii in the early 2000s. But you know i think they stick to the script of like how he plays quarterback and where he can be most effective and get the plays where he's been practicing in practice practice it in practice but he's been you know he's been going through uh during practice he's been repping
1: in practice there you go repping in practice yeah chris uh just thank you for the comment uh thank you for all the coverage uh thank you very much for tuning in we appreciate it another question here from josh bazon uh what does penn state need to do uh, than to get the long running plays, better blocking from the wide receivers and tight ends. I think the back end of that was more of a statement. Uh, I, I thought you actually today, Justin, you saw a bit of a revolving door at offensive line by as early as the end of the uh, the second quarter. There are a lot of different faces that got out there. Uh, what do you think? What, what's going to be the trick?
0: The trick to getting long runs, I mean – it depends on the, I mean, for like you said, Nick Singleton's our home run running back. So for him, I, I think there's a level of getting to the second level and a little bit of cleaner stance. I think he had some ability today or some areas, if it wasn't a wet field, where we might have seen some of those type of situations today. I think when we see Catron Allen, I mean, I think his big time plays are those 20 to 50 yard type of plays just based on his ability and they're entertaining and they're very effective as well. But when it comes down to that, I think there's just a level of having clean uh blockings for Nick to get to the second level to have some room to make things happen. I really don't believe he's been missing runs or there's long runs out there that he hasn't had the ability to to take advantage of. He's been catching the ball at the backfield in an effective way in an efficient manner. And again they've been positive in their, their yardage um, yards per carry this whole season. So I think it's just a matter of time. And again, when we have this many weapons across the board, sometimes you're just going to get your chunk plays from different areas. Agreed.
1: Um, Derek getting involved in here, more of a statement than a question. Everyone on here is still afraid of Ohio State. Michigan fans are delusional and only talk about Ohio State. That team lives in y'all head rent-free. Penn State is good enough to deal with both. Derek, I like the confidence. I like the aggression, and I like the confidence in this. Um, I, I think Penn State just has a better matchup with Ohio State uh, in terms of personnel than they do with Michigan. But uh, Justin, how do you feel about that?
0: I feel what Derek's talking about. I mean, everyone's still afraid of Ohio State. I mean, because like when you just watch across the uh, across the landscape of college football, I mean, Penn State is a complete football team. I mean, like everyone's. No one's just blowing teams out of the water. No one just looks that dominant. Like Penn State does look like the most complete team in the in the United States or in college football right now. And with that being said, they match up better with Ohio State than I do. I think with Michigan just on different areas. But with that being said, like they have the personnel to play with both of them on any given Saturday, and that's something that I just I've been harping on and not taking too serious about those two different types of teams because there is no mistake to playing them when you're looking at a national championship or getting to the playoffs. So with that being said, I was second with Derek is saying, because nah, we're the ones applying the pressure not really feeling it. Uh,
1: another question here from Chris, uh, we kind of answered the first part of his question, but the second part, uh, what is one thing that we need to work on before going to Columbus next week and why? What's one
0: thing to work on next week? I mean, you can work on a lot of things when it comes to, to football. But um, uh, one th- one thing, I mean, I'll just go back to receivers, right? Explosive plays on the outside.
1: I agree. They, they continue.
0: Explosive plays on the outside.
1: Yeah. Uh, some other comments here. Ben, unfortunately, we haven't won a game versus Ohio State since 2016. Yes, that that does that obviously. Listen, this is basically a three-team league, and some would argue it's a two-team league. So it's a matter of beating those top two this year for Penn State.
0: Can't obsess over it though.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, for this week, we will. But <laughs> <laughs> this week, we that, will. Yes, uh, Mr. Supreme saying they have more to prove against Michigan than Ohio State. Um, I, I kind of agree. I, I think I agree. And at the end of the day, if you if you beat one or both of them. You've you've proven something. That's the important thing. And then this is a really hard hitting question here from Patrick. Who would win in a 40 yard dash? Justin in Crocs or Tom in running shoes? uh i think justin and the crocs would have me i think if we tied cinder blocks to justin's feet he'd still beat me in a 40 yard dash
0: uh, do i get the straps Do i get the sports straps or do i have to wear them like i'll get you
1: i'll get you a title belt from impact wrestling <laughs> and, and you will win that very very easily
0: if i get to strap him up i might be able to get you if i, get strap, we'll, if I- <laughs> we'll, we'll get you
1: taken care of Uh, I want to thank everybody so much for hopping in the comments section. We got to do this last time for Northwestern. Uh, We're so excited we got to do this here for this game after UMass. And, yes, it was a low-level FBS opponent, but Penn State just looked very, very sharp today despite bad uh, weather conditions. Uh, Kudos to all of you that braved the weather and actually went to the game and then are tuning in for this after. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, Justin, final thoughts on this before Ohio State next week?
0: Great tune-up game before... Big noon kickoff next week in Columbus.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you all so much for joining us. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. We're going to have a full preview episode for you uh, coming this Wednesday morning, and then it'll be Penn State versus Ohio State on Saturday the 21st. Thank you all so much for joining us this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at the King one and at Tom Hannafin State of State is presented by BetOnline.